As COVID-19 continues its resurgence, San Diego County has become home to a grim statistic. The Rio Vista Healthcare Center is caring for the most residents infected with COVID-19. As of Thursday evening, 100 people were presently sick, with 20 workers ill as well. Outbreaks in nursing homes have proven to be among the deadliest. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Paul Sisson, you're the healthcare reporter for the Union Tribune, and you've been following all the ins and outs of COVID-19. Tell us about the Rio Vista Healthcare Center. What do we know about how this outbreak began and how bad it got? Thanks. Uh, We don't really know a huge amount about the origin story here. Um, We can see that in late June, uh, this nursing home reported to the state uh, 13 Uh, of its employees were infected. Uh, That report came in a single day. And then the very next day, uh, they reported uh, that the number of infected residents had jumped from 19 to 61 in a single day. Uh, So that really just showed that this outbreak arrived very suddenly. Uh, We're really not quite sure which side of the equation it came from. Uh, We asked the uh, folks who run that location and uh, They said that they they didn't really have uh, anything to share about the origin, and they weren't sure uh, how it started. We did ask them about whether employees were wearing the proper personal protective equipment and and that type of thing. Uh, That's designed to keep any kind of infection from moving, say, from the staff into the general population living in a facility like this. Uh, They did not answer those questions. So Mm -hmm. so that's, that's roughly what we know. Certainly. And it seems like this outbreak happened more or less about the same time that we saw increases in positives around the county and especially in South Bay. Why don't you give us some context kind of comparing this outbreak to what we're seeing across the county? Right. I mean, generally, we've seen uh, an increase in uh, community outbreaks in various settings. Um, The county has daily told us about uh, new community outbreaks in restaurants and uh, restaurants that have bars inside them, especially, uh, you know, just uh, just earlier this week, we saw uh, a, one outbreak pop up in a uh, in a gym, um, you know, and so we, we've just generally seen as as the entire community has opened up and many many different uh, types of activity have been allowed again, uh, people going out without masks and really just uh, seeing the the case level uh, increase in the community. Uh, as well as the number of outbreaks. Mm -hmm. Certainly, it does seem like we're getting closer to that exponential growth that epidemiologists have been warning about since the beginning of this outbreak. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't know if it's quite... I haven't seen any fresh epidemiological analysis of what the doubling rate is here and and whether we're approaching uh, exponential growth or not. You know, there still is a fair amount more caution in the community than there was uh, before mm-hmm. this all started back in March. People are staying at th- home, I think, uh, when they're sick more than they might have before. I think people are keeping more distance than they were. I, I think that, that that level of caution, even though it's not perfect, is still probably keeping this thing from reaching that exponential growth that might otherwise happen. Mm-hmm. And certainly some of the you know, structure of San Diego certainly helps avoid a situation like in New York, which just has insane density. So it's kind of dangerous to compare these two widely different geographical places. 
But going back to the skilled nursing facilities, you mentioned that there are precautions in place that all of these facilities have taken in order to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Can you explain what are those precautions? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've done just a wide range of things, everything from closing down to just having one entrance to the building so that nobody can come in from a uh, side door. Uh, you know, and obviously they're testing all of the uh, employees who come in every day, taking their temperature and asking them if they've uh, had any kind of exposures or anything while they've been off duty. Uh, you know, they've restricted all visitation. Nobody's allowed in unless they're a, uh, an essential healthcare worker. So, uh, you know, it's been very sad, but people are, have not been able to go visit their loved ones for many months now. So, you know, that I think the visitation restriction and uh, and the precautions they're putting in for uh, incoming workers are two of the key ones. You know, and then obviously everybody has to be uh, who's working in there is wearing the proper per- personal protective equipment to uh, make sure uh, that they're doing what they can. You know, when they're serving meals or medications or, or helping somebody in the room that they're, you know, not passing any any possible infection from one room to another. Uh, the, the other key thing that's really been hard on residents, I'm told, is just the idea of really cutting back on a lot of the social functions that these uh, uh, skilled nursing facilities and other types of congregate living facilities have for their residents. You know, that they're not able to come together and, and play cards or, you know, have communal uh, activities like they used to. You know, bingo night has been canceled for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And it's worth noting that these, these facilities take care of people with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's uh, diseases that kind of need that social interaction to kind of slow the rapid decline. So it's tragic on several levels. Oh, yeah. I, I think that this is uh, really a difficult situation. And, um, you know, your heart can't help but break for, for folks in this situation. Uh, you know, and I, I know it's not easy uh, for the workers uh, or, or the people living there, uh, you know, to make it through this. Mm-hmm. Given that this pandemic has been going on for a while and we've experienced outbreaks in these facilities, is there anything that we've learned specific to like a nursing home situation that helps us, you know, prevent an outbreak from getting worse or even preventing people from dying? Have we learned anything new that kind of helps us take care of these individuals? I think uh, I think a lot of the early learnings came out of Washington, where you saw the, a big outbreak up there start in a nursing home, and very quickly they learned that visitors uh, can can very quickly uh, you know make a, a, a bad situation worse, and that this really can come in very easily with employees. Uh, so you know I think a lot of those early lessons in Washington have really kind of informed what's happening at, at uh, skilled nursing facilities all over the world now, and, and certainly in the U.S. and certainly in San Diego. Um, in terms of additional beyond that, I think it's really been about surveillance testing. You know, mm-hmm. at first, testing was not widely available anywhere, uh, but but as it became more available, I, I know here in San Diego County and, and in many other places, they started universal testing for all uh, staff and faculty uh, and residents, and um, you know that that allows you to establish a baseline of who's infected and then check back every week or two and test everybody again. So I, th- I think that they've learned to focus a lot of their testing capacity really tightly in on, on these facilities that really hold the most vulnerable among us. Yeah, and it makes sense in that kind of setting. It's probably the easiest way you can quarantine someone and really track and trace a lot easier than in the, at the actual community. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and you know, you really want to catch an infection fast. You don't. You want. You want to be able to jump on that thing as quickly as possible, and 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 you know, isolate anybody else who's infected before it you know 
begins to multiply. And as you talked about the, you know, the doubling rate and, and exponential growth, you really want to stop that in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. And also, has Rio Vista gotten any additional help from the state or federal government? Because as uh, we know, many workers are sick as well. They have. Um, I, I talked to the CDPH, California Department of Public Health, uh, yesterday, and they said they've sent a strike team uh, down there to help out and, and help them uh, track this thing. I'm a little unclear on exactly what that means in terms of manpower, and person power, and in terms of actually helping do the daily duties that are required. Uh, my sense is it's perhaps a little more on the oversight side where they're uh, just just helping them get control of this epidemiologically and then follow the, you know, the best practices and what have you. Uh, I'm not sure if they've been able to, you know, send in additional uh, workers uh, or not. Mm -hmm. And it's no surprise that this outbreak has occurred in the South Bay. That's where we're seeing kind of the most intense uh, number of positive cases. We've talked about it on previous episodes, but can you give a recap of the geographic and also social disparities we're seeing when it comes to people who are infected of COVID-19 in San Diego County? Right. Um, well, you know, uh, with with any kind of um, health impact, uh, you know, be it heart disease or, or what have you, uh, you know, it's largely a function of um, socioeconomics. Uh, you know, the more money you have, the more you can afford, uh, you know, high-end health care, and the more you can afford to go into your doctor the moment you feel a problem, the, the more you can uh, afford to live somewhere, uh, you know, with your, with your own family and not in close proximity to to others uh so you know there's always an economic component uh with with any any kind of health uh problem um beyond that what we've seen in the south bay has been an increase in demand for healthcare services uh beyond what we've seen in the rest of the county uh and and the working hypothesis on that has been that a lot of folks have been coming over the the, the border with mexico uh to receive services, to do shopping, uh, you know, for various reasons. There are a heck of a lot of Americans who live in Mexico. Uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, the, you know, there's some, some nice places to live down there, and mm -hmm. they're often more affordable than they are up here. Uh, so, you know, that has been a longstanding tradition in San Diego, and, it, it, you, know, there's, you know, there's no real way to uh, keep American citizens from coming back uh, to America to do some shopping or, or go to a job or, or what have you. Uh, and then there are also, uh, you know, a cohort of workers who come up to work in, uh, in various uh, places, uh, especially in South Bay. And many of the South Bay hospitals have a lot of workers who, uh, who live uh, south of the border. So, so the thought is that that has just brought in some additional um, exposure that, that uh, it's just coming up from the south. Uh, it hasn't been perfectly quantified. Nobody has really done a dissertation on it yet in terms of exactly what the pattern is, but that's kind of the, the general thought of what's what's going on in that situation. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And finally, uh, if you're a family member of someone who's living in Rio Vista or any skilled nursing facility, what kind of pieces of information can you expect to get from these facilities as to how your loved one is doing? Because you know, when it comes to reporting on healthcare, there are limits to what journalists can get. What about families? What information are they allowed to get about, you know, someone that is in there you know, that they have a connection to, of course? I mean, as far as I know, uh, you know, family is free to talk to their loved ones anytime they want. Uh, you know, they can just pick up the phone and call. They can send them an email. Any of your various communication methods, you know, are still allowed. They're just not allowed to visit in person. Uh, not only that, but the, um, 
the skilled nursing facility itself should be sending out notifications if a loved one has become infected. And um, they should also be, you know, putting up some kind of regular update on what the situation is inside the facility. And I've got to say, I, I looked on Rio Vista's website yesterday, and it, it appeared that they have been putting up a daily update with a number of cases. Uh, and that daily update, it has more current numbers than what you'll find on the state's uh, monitoring website. It's usually about a day behind. So it, it did seem like Rio Vista really is uh, trying to keep their uh, their families informed about what's going on, at least in terms of the, the basic statistics of it, how many have become infected, how many have recovered, uh, and all of that. Mm-hmm. All right, Paul Sisson, thank you so much. Thank you. In other news, UC San Diego is looking for volunteers for a trial of an experimental treatment that could temporarily transfer immunity from the blood of COVID-19 survivors to those at risk of getting infected. It's called plasma therapy, and it's been used in some hospitals already. But there have not been many large, carefully designed studies that show whether these treatments work. It's also unclear whether giving plasma to those likely to be exposed to the virus could prevent COVID-19. The study aims to answer that question. In the outbreak, another 461 positive tests were confirmed on Friday, bringing the region's total case count to 18,863. Hospitalizations ticked up slightly again, 489 people are in the hospital with COVID-19, and 167 people are in the ICU. So far, 420 people have died from the virus in the county. San Diego News Fix is hosted and edited by myself, Daniel Wheaton. This podcast editor is Digital Creative Director, Beto Alvarez. If you would like to join in on our recordings, like the Union Tribune on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter, and you'll see us when we go live in the afternoon. Feel free to ask questions by commenting, and I'll work those into the conversation live. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.